This is Amanda. And this is Rachel. And this is Vocal Perspective. On this special 50th episode of Vocal Perspective, we are so excited to bring to you a voice that is so integral to what we do at Acaville, but is rarely heard. We are so thrilled to have Dana Director, who is on the board of Acaville Radio, and married to Aaron Director, our founder. And so welcome, Dana, and world, here is her voice. Thank you. It's so good to be here. I see you guys and I spend time with you guys, but I am rarely on the air and there's there's good reason for that. I, I do not have a radio voice. So Oh, it's beautiful. You sound great on the radio. <laughs> so Dana, we always start these interviews with kind of a little bit of history as to how did you end up here? How did acapella become part of your life? Such a good question because I do not have a musical background. I am the only person involved with Acaville Radio that does not have a musical background. So it became a part of my life when I married the founder of Acaville, Aaron. He came up with this harebrained idea six or so years ago where he said, you know, I'm just just not finding the right venue online for all acapella music. And so I'm just going to do it myself. And, you know, oh, yeah, sure you are. <laughs> Very supportive spouse, as we all have to be. And so I said, great, <laughs> let me know how that goes. And the next thing I knew, he he had actually done it. And so my first, you know, sort of exposure to it was very early on, of course, when he was just getting started it was all music there were no no programs like this or others and it was a one-man show at that point in time and I had no idea at that point in time that I would actually even become more involved than just the supportive spouse you mentioned earlier. (laughs) (laughs) When things first started, what was it like then? You know, can you talk a little bit about those early days? Yes. A lot of it was, you know, sort of Aaron brainstorming about how am I going to construct this? Uh, How am I going to build it from nothing? And I remember, and Rachel, you may remember, I remember very early on after he had gotten it on the air, that he said, hey, there's this person on the East Coast who's interested in volunteering. And I, I was like, how, how did that happen? Uh, <laughs> that happened to be Rachel, our very own Rachel. And we were just getting started and we were leaving. I mean, it had only been on the air a few months and we were leaving for a month long trip to Japan and the Maldives. And so he said, I'm just going to leave it in the hands of this volunteer in the DC area. (laughs) And I'm like, that sounds sounds reasonable. I had no idea. Thank goodness it was Rachel. (laughs) (laughs) I remember that very distinctly. It's like, this is crazy. This may be crazy, but I'm going to be out of town and you won't probably have to do anything, but 
would you mind being back up for me? And of course, I was happy to do that. And there were like, basically no glitches. It was no problem. So <laughs> so that was actually one of my really very earliest memories of, you know, this whole enterprise. And then I think I really fully understood the level of Rachel's interest and commitment to the cause when Aaron said, oh, by the way, we're going to the Bay Area. We're going to interview people for a new show and Rachel's flying out and meeting us there. And I was like, what? So I wonder how you felt about the idea that we start doing things that required travel that was not just out of your home. Well, it's really funny because you guys know this, but Aaron loves to travel. And one of the many reasons that this whole pandemic has thrown him off is that this month we would just be sort of settling down from the months of travel on the weekends to concerts and festivals and competitions. And so it's been kind of unnerving that way. But, you know, he loves to travel. And when he was first conceiving of the idea of this radio station, I said, I wonder if there's a way for you to combine this with, you know, your love of travel. And so it did not surprise me at all that it evolved into all of the trips that we end up making each year. And I hope to start making again next It seemed like the perfect combination of his love of this genre and this music and combining it with travel and meeting people and hearing their stories. It just seemed like a perfect fit. That's awesome. So once that started happening and it was sort of more regular, I guess I wonder, did you feel like it was an infringement at all? Because it does take up so much of his time and your your time and your lives at this point. You know, I never felt that way. There were times like back to that trip to Japan when we got home. We had been home, I think, three days from a month long trip. And there was an opportunity, I think we went to Kettering or one of the the festivals and it was sort of last minute. And I just thought, I don't know how sustainable this is. How are we (laughs) going to do this and maintain, you know, regular jobs and other things? But that was really the only time that ever occurred to me. In fact, as you know, Rachel, we've been able to combine it with work trips and attendance for meetings for me. And so it's turned into a, you know, a really good sort of melding of worlds. Well, I think you're being really kind to yourselves, Dana, because when I came in as a job to manage the station, I was like, who did this as a volunteer for this many years? Because I look at how much time I spend just, you know, we've added programs and things, but how much time I spend just basically keeping the station up and running. I just, yeah, people need to know that it is an undertaking. And the fact that this was done by just someone that wanted acapella on the radio and a very supportive partner (laughs) is always, you know, I think about it almost every week as I'm looking at the hours that I put in and just, you know, making sure that everything is up and right is just the baseline is a lot. (laughs) When, When Aaron gets something on his mind that he wants to achieve, there is very little that is going to stop him from achieving it. (laughs) 
So I hear you and I know that, you know, what you're saying is true, but I also know he would never have not done it after thinking of it. So for you, I mean, you were just kind of welcome to this world. Let me dump you in this. And now you've probably been to more concerts and festivals than most people that claim to be super acapella fans. Do you have a a favorite that pops out? You know, they all have different flavors and just a feel to them. And Rachel knows this because we'll spend a, a whole... So I'll be all excited. We'll we'll fly into a city and I'm raring to go and I can't wait to hear some of the groups. And by Sunday afternoon, I am exhausted. <laughs> the thought of hearing yet another acapella song is like, no, please. <laughs> and that's that's no I'm not casting aspersions on any group or any any event but by the end of it I'm exhausted. As far as my one of my favorites, I mean I certainly love there are, you know, cities that I love to visit so having festivals or competitions there in, you know, the Bay Area and New York and Boston, certainly always a lot of fun, but the sleeper hit for me is and I'm going to totally forget the name of the town, it's in Arkansas. It's the oh, Boyce Jim and Fayetteville. Yeah, Fayetteville yeah. <laughs> was was a surprise for me too. <laughs> and not just the town, which was a total surprise to me about how much I loved it. It's very sort of Austin, Texas, in the middle of Arkansas. But it also was just a great festival. People were excited and energized. A really great international crowd. The town was hopping with all kinds of college activities. There was like a national gymnastics meet going on at the same time so lots of energy and people around and just felt arts heavy I I had no idea that the Walton family have supported the arts so very much and that was that was amazing that art center was amazing so the whole feel was just great and I was also able to go to a farmer's market while I was there so seriously (laughs) if any farmer's market or Starbucks would like to sponsor that's what we run on farmers markets and Starbucks. Well, one thing that people don't know about sort of the work that we all do, but you specifically do, is the sound engineering. So when we fly into these festivals and concerts and weekends that, that we do, we sit down and we interview groups. And one of Dana's many sort of roles while she's there is to actually record the interviews and make sure that we hit time marks and make sure that everything sort of has the right levels. And so can you talk about how that came to be? (laughs) Well, and you know, there's a story behind that one too. So let's see, early on when you and Aaron started talking about creating some programming and we were brainstorming what the formats would be and the names of them and that kind of thing. About a week before our first trip to the Bay Area, where I first met you and and you had lined up producer extraordinaire that you are, you know, a ton of groups to talk to and some some really big names in acapella to talk to. And about a week before, Aaron said, okay, it's time for your training. And I was like, I thought I was just carrying equipment. And nope, I was learning how to do the sound mixing and uh, not for when groups were performing, but when Aaron was interviewing them afterward, I became the sound engineer with 
truly the most basic training you could ever have. And the story behind that is that we get to the Bay Area and I'm still learning the equipment. And basically the first full day of interviews, we captured the sound of the ceiling pretty well in the room (laughs) and maybe some sound outside, but we did not capture the sound of the singing at all, really. And it was a huge letdown for me. I felt like I let everybody else down. And the mistake we made in what, what settings we used we have never made that mistake again (laughs) because other mistakes for sure but not that one (laughs) so yes my training was really throw her into the fire and see what happens and it was a little bit of a bumpy start but it's turned out okay since then I mean more than okay because those interviews like they are they are to some degree kind of the the lifeblood of Acaville outside of the music right it's a chance to give people insight and visibility into the humanity behind the singing. And so what you do is invaluable. I don't know. I mean, and this isn't just like a handful of interviews. We have hundreds, just spotlights in interviews, the ones that you're mostly involved in. There are hundreds of them up on the site. Yeah, it's quite an amazing body of work now that you look back on it. You know, at the beginning, it it seemed, you know, oh, maybe we'll do a few of these and see how it goes. And here we are. I don't know how many episodes there are of the spotlight now or Sorry, hashtag the spotlight. (laughs) You didn't make the sign. (laughs) They can't can't see that on the radio. I hope hope they can't see me because it's casual Friday here. So (laughs) it's everywhere. Every day. (laughs) So the other thing I think that people don't know about your role at Acaville is related to the socials. So when we fly into these places, Dana is almost exclusively responsible for Instagram and for and capturing the beautiful pictures that she does of both the concerts that we attend and of the groups as we interview them. Was that sort of a natural progression or is just a, an interest? Where did that come from? It was more of an interest. And I have to say that I have happily handed over that mantle to Amanda, who has outpaced and outshined me. Like, I can't even <laughs> I can't even, you know, explain how much more professional and awesome it looks. Yeah, it's just Photoshop. <laughs> <laughs> when we first started, one of Aaron's key things at the very beginning was building a Twitter audience. And so because he was recording the music and doing the interviews, he would sort of hand me his iPhone and, you know, say, hey, try to capture some pictures, let people know who we're interviewing and what we're doing. And at the time, it was mostly Twitter and a little bit of Facebook. Then Instagram started playing a bigger role. And, you know, remember, Rachel, at the beginning, it was still pictures. And at one point in time, you said, you know, maybe we should start capturing some video. And I was like, oh, I don't know about that. (laughs) Of course, that's now the primary. But, you know, it was really just a a sort of, you know, natural progression. And I had no professional social media experience other than my own social media pages. And as I started to realize it was such an important way to communicate with the community, I had no idea really that it would be that important. The way that Aaron at the very beginning built that Twitter audience, it spilled over into other social media platforms. But that was really key. 
key at the very beginning to bring people to the station. And so he would, yeah, it was literally, he would just throw his phone at me and say, okay, take some pictures and post it. And And yet, I mean, you give me credit. However, when we're, you know, now that there's four of us and we kind of divide and conquer and sometimes we're each at different events on the same weekend, I log into Instagram and they're all of Dana's videos and I log in and it's like, you have 67 likes from the last three minutes that you logged in. And I'm like, it's all Dana's videos. They love them. But I think that like you have a real skill at capturing beautiful photographs. Like, I I mean, you may not think so, but I cannot. I have shown photographs I've taken to Aaron and he's like, so... So my high school photography teacher would be very happy that you said that, that I actually paid attention to how to compose a good photo. But Rachel, no one surpasses you and your... So we'll be in a tiny hotel room with 25 high schoolers (laughs) and their chaperones who will not leave them in the room alone. And Rachel will climb up on whatever furniture is there to get a good picture from the the sort of high angle. I will argue with you that they are not good pictures, but they are definitely pictures. You're just willing to go to more heights than I am to get the good shot. It is amazing. I wish, you know, the groups that haven't interviewed with us, like I wish they could see the kind of spaces that sometimes you conduct interviews in, because I know sometimes I'm lucky enough to be at the same event as you and I'm coming around with my camera and I'm like, I'm going to like Spider-Man up on the wall. Yeah. So I have a number of pictures of Rachel standing precariously on two stacked chairs or on the top of the back of a couch looking down on the group and just snapping photos. It's pretty amazing. That's the behind the scenes that (laughs) we need to post somewhere. I wonder what would you like to see Akaville do and go and how do you see your role changing as we change? Well, it definitely has changed over the past six years and it's really hard to predict how it will continue to change especially in this new world order that we're in and what the future of festivals and competitions and what that's all going to look like. But I see more of, so for for those listening, we just had a, a board retreat recently and talked about a lot of different ways to reach out to the community and have more video presence and YouTube presence and that kind of thing. And I think that's a great direction. I don't know that I have the skill set to help take that to the next level. But I'm also an avid consumer of these things. And so I definitely am happy to share my consumer point of view on how things look and how things feel and how easy it was (laughs) to find it or get into it, you know. And so I'm, of course, happy to keep doing that. Even when you guys don't ask me for my opinion, I'm happy to share. No, for certain, any visual thing I do, I'm like, I hope Dana likes this. A like from Dana means a lot. I love everything you do. That's what I mean by it. it all looks so much more professional than I ever could have achieved. But as far as my role, I, I will relish the opportunity to go back to festivals and competitions and continue to meet people and their groups and help continue that perpetual outreach that we do whenever we can do it I'm there it's so much fun to hear you know the stories and how groups function and the the similarities and yet the complete differences that groups have and you know hear all their origin stories 
and <laughs> and ask that way every time. <laughs> and so, yeah, I think I am the board member who necessarily has to be the most flexible of just tell me what you need me to do and oh, I gross. will do it. And whatever hole needs to be plugged, I'm the one. I'll go ahead and do that. <laughs> Which is such an important Can role. Can put that on your business card, yeah. hole plugger? <laughs> Uh, so you mentioned, you know, New World Order and maybe the post-normal times. Since you've been to so many events, now instead of just asking your favorite, what do you most enjoy when you go to these festivals that maybe you'd like to see more of when we are able to go back? That's a really good question. I really enjoy that personal interaction with the groups. And it's sort of a progression through the life of a festival. So we'll get there and be greeted by the organizers and right off the bat just rapport and and welcoming and here we are in this community and so you get this good feeling right when you're there and then you start meeting the groups and how excited they are to perform and if it's a competition to compete and I love hearing them talk about their experiences meeting the other groups and feeling that bond amongst the other groups but then the best is we've met them we've talked to them for a couple days and then we see them on stage and we know how excited they are we know about that song and why they did that song and what it means to them and so seeing them perform that I it just it, it sort of brings it all full circle and I just really enjoy that it's Sounds kind of geeky, but it's it's true. No, I think it's so important because I think so many of these groups do have a story that you wouldn't necessarily know what the story is unless they told you. Just from watching the set, maybe it's not so obvious. But then when you hear the story, you're like, oh, this is so much more meaningful. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if that answered your question exactly, but it's just sort of that feeling of being, you just get it the minute you get to these venues, you start feeling it right then and there, that there's a community, that there's a thing happening there that's special. And, you know, it just progresses throughout the weekend. And I just really enjoy that. That's awesome. Well, we have time, I think, for one more question. The time has gone by so quickly. I wanted to ask, as somebody who's an, at least an insider into how Akaville operates, can you share some of your favorite tragic moments that happen behind the scenes? Can you can you put all of us a little bit in our place? <laughs> well, I mean, I think I already admitted to the biggest one that made the biggest impression on me, which is that I came in very green and just had a classic epic fail right off the bat that, you know, with the recording the first day that we were recording for hashtag the spotlight. And I learned so much from that. And, you know, I think the other chaotic, not necessarily epic fails, but chaotic moments that keep us humble and keep us realizing that, you know, each time we have to figure out these crazy workarounds and and solutions is that we have arrived in cities and rural areas and our bags have not, or our equipment is damaged or we get to the venue and the venue doesn't have the equipment that we thought they were going to have. And so we have, and all three of us on this interview right here, <laughs> and Aaron too, have experienced this. And some of our other volunteers have experienced this where you get there and it's just things 
fall apart really <laughs> fast. And you're like, as much as we think we've got this nailed, it's a humbling and... It's amazing how like really weak Wi-Fi can just crush your soul. <laughs> <laughs> and also, I feel like I have a personal connection with pretty much every Best Buy in every city we've gone to. <laughs> yes, it's like either right after we got off the airplane and we realized that we were missing a piece of equipment or something had been damaged or something, we, okay, where's the nearest Best Buy? And then we get to the venue and we realize that, you know, they don't have a cable to connect to this or that. And okay, let's go off to the Best Buy. So it's, this is not an advertisement for Best Buy, but if they wanted to sponsor us. We also could use a sponsorship from Best Buy. On Aaronacaville.org. But it's, you know, in each and every instance, I got to tell you, it's been so amazing how we have adapted. So you know, if we can't get the video up and running because of Wi-Fi issues, we record it and get it on as soon as we can. We have dealt with sound issues and hopefully very few on the other side have noticed that it's a credit to all of you mostly because I'm usually just carrying the equipment, but it's, you know, how adaptable, how quick to think on our feet about what a workaround looks like and how quickly we can do it. And so that, you know, is those chaotic moments are just killers, but the aftermath is what's so impressive where figure it out and um, make it work. So Dana, this was a really great conversation. And for those of you that didn't hear our pre-conversation, Dana was convinced that she had nothing to add, but I love, and Rachel has said this too, because you're not active singers, but I think you both bring so much to the table and you're offering a service to the community that is much needed. So thank you so much for coming on and celebrating episode 50 with us. Yay! <laughs> Thanks for having me. So Rachel, it seems kind of fortuitous that we were just talking to Dana because we have so many new things going on at Acaville. We just a couple of weeks ago had our board meeting where we kind of set out our plans for the year and review what maybe we want to build on from the previous year. And we just have so many things and I'm so excited. So let's start with some new podcasts, which you have one of the new things that it's brand new. You guys are just released your first episode yesterday. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about Polyphony. Oh, so Polyphony was a the brainchild of Aaron and I together to talk about. So we noticed there are podcasts going on, and pe- it's one on one interview type thing. But there are no panel podcasts where you bring a number of people from different sort of groups and areas and talk about things that are affecting us all sort of together and so that they could have opportunities to talk to each other and about stuff and learn from each other. And so we recorded the first one last week and it was talking about remote rehearsal ideas and strategies. And we had Jordan Roll of Six Appeal. We had Evan Sanders of Accent and we had Katie Taylor from Harmony Inc. And it was just incredible, really fantastic group of people, really interesting conversation. And I hope if you didn't have a chance to check it out last night, then it will be rebroadcast on Sunday and it will be downloadable as podcast after that. It's so exciting. I mean, there are so many issues, so many challenges that even seven or eight months ago, we would have never imagined that we would be facing. So I think you guys have a lot to talk about. And I'm particularly excited about that one. I'm also very excited that we're picking up two new podcasts. I know. 
we've got the Headroom Podcast, which is hosted by Kyle Howard and Ricky Jabarin. So they're talking to experienced engineers about all kinds of things. And, you know, they recognize that recording is going to change for a little while, too. But the best way to learn about engineering, and I this is how I went through it, I could have learned from a book, but I learned from watching other people and listening and watching what they do. Mm. Well, there are little tricks of the trade that I think that you wouldn't get from a book. And just watching somebody do a little tweak, a little something, and all of a sudden you're like, well, why did you do that? You get a chance to follow up and get background. Right. And I think that as a community is how we get better. New people, new blood coming in, watching how these experienced people do their thing, and then they create their own brand. And I'm hoping that with more engineers out there, we'll get a little bit more variety in what the final product is. Because all of our engineers are wonderful, but they all have their style. So a lot of their work ends up sounding a little bit the same. So having some new blood, I think, will help. So I hope people tune into that. And then we're also bringing on a brand new podcast called Aka Education, which is hosted by Justin Gladich. And that both of these should start becoming available in August. So two very new topics for us. And I'm really excited to add them to the schedule, especially since there's just not a lot going on. So let's use this time to learn and find new people to look up to and learn from. So that's exciting. Yes. And and then we have... Speaking of learning. Learning. (laughs) Well, we have a really fantastic new program that we're introducing called Masterclass, which is coming out seconds from when this drops, where you can learn from some of the greatest acapella educators and names in the industry. And you can take a class and just be more exposed to some different topics. And Amanda, I know that you have spoken to some of the educators. Can you share with us some of the topics that are going to be released? Sure. I mean, and this idea uh, came from Dr. Mark Silverberg. Some people may know him as Doc Acapella, but this actually came up in the fall before we were all confined to our homes. So this is going to be a long-term project. This isn't just like a stopgap band-aid while we're all stuck at home. So we have reached out and we have classes from Deke Sharon on arranging, Bob Stoloff, who is an acclaimed professor from Berkeley. He's going to talk about scatting. We've got Blake Lewis doing live looping. Who else do we have? We have Lisa Forkish, and she's going to be talking about all the wonderful things, you know, how kind of she created Vocal Rush and all of the work that she does for social change through acapella. Even Drew Wheaton is going to be talking about lessons contemporary singers can learn from barbershop. It's going to be really great. And all of that's going to be available on a separate site called acapellamasterclass.com. It's coming out August 17th. So we're super excited about that. So stay tuned. And thanks for joining us this week on Vocal Perspective. We'll see you next Tuesday. See you next Tuesday.